This is episode 268 with running and strength coach, 234 marathoner, and high mileage runner, Boulder Underground's Matt Meyer. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is awesome. Joining me is Matt Meyer, a sub-elite marathoner from Boulder who started running consistently about five years ago, and now he routinely runs more than 100 miles per week, including a recent 140-mile week. Our conversation is on how high mileage is possible, how to make it work for you, and Matt's philosophy on high-volume running. You're definitely going to want to stay healthy when trying to run a lot, so be sure to get our best injury prevention advice at strengthrunning.com prevention. And if you're new here, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning. And you can find me on Instagram at jasonfitz1. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world, no matter how fast they are, with our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and our suite of training programs to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. You can learn more about those at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. We are supported by London-based brand Soar Running. They make high-performance apparel that I've been loving over the last five to six months. Now, if you watch our YouTube videos, you'll probably have seen me rocking a ridiculously short pair of blue one-inch split-leg shorts. That is Soar. Their stuff is high-end, ensuring elite-level gear for everyone with technical fabrics and ergonomic fits. See for yourself at SoarRunning.com, and make sure you use code SRUN15 to save 15% off your order until the end of October. We're also supported by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes AG1, one of the few supplements that I think is worth your time. I love this stuff. It's the most popular greens mix available on the market today. It has 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, and adaptogens. To make taking control of your health even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Jason, and you can choose from a single purchase or a monthly subscription to make AG1 a part of your ongoing nutrition plan. I try to have one serving every day of AG1 to help me cover my bases, because Lord knows I'm missing some things here to there, and it also gives me this really nice boost of midday energy. Check out all those details at athleticgreens.com slash Jason. Finally, a quick announcement. We now have a deals page on Strength Running where you can find out more about our sponsor deals, highlighted products, and other discounts. Go to strengthrunning.com deals to check it out. All right, our guest today is a fixture in the Boulder running community. Matt Meyer is a running and strength coach who works at Revo Physiotherapy and Sports Performance. He's inspiring in how hard he works and because of his exploratory outlook on the sport. 
He's run 234 in the marathon, but admittedly, he doesn't think he's had great marathons the last couple races that he's had. And he has really big goals of hopefully running 225 this December at CIM. Our conversation today is on high mileage, how Matt has progressed to being able to consistently run 100 plus miles per week, and how he somewhat mistakenly ran 140 miles in one week. Plus, what his injury prevention efforts look like when he's running that much. This is a wonderful discussion on how a quote-unquote normal guy runs an incredible distance nearly every week. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Matt Meyer. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go pretty deep on your experience running 140 miles a week and just kind of ask a million and one questions about how you structured it, how you think about it, why you did it, what your life looked like around the 140 miles. Good point, good point. <laughs> Cuz I I really think this is one of those like voyeuristic conversations for a lot of runners like they sort of just want to talk to you're like a and i mean this in the best of ways matt you're like a a fascinating zoo attraction like wow someone's done this amazing thing that i want to learn more about like i couldn't even imagine myself doing that i would take that absolutely as a compliment um (laughs) I i love i love going to the zoo um i love seeing fabulous creatures at at the zoo uh, one of my athletes just ran Berlin and we were talking about her day after activity. And I was like, you know, there's some really great pandas at the Berlin zoo. <laughs> Nobody ever gets to see pandas. You got to go see the pandas at the zoo. Yeah, man. That's you. You're, you're a fascinating creature. I'll be the panda. Um, as far as the way that that week ended up shaking out was very interesting. So this, this whole summer, um, my, training partner up here, Brian Shroy, just ran Berlin Marathon. Absolutely crushed. I am not racing until December. I'm doing CIM. But um, we kicked off training with the Boulder Boulder. Starts off things really well. Um, I do this thing with my friends called Seltzer Boy Summer or the 1,000 Mile Seltzer Challenge where we try to run 1,000 miles between Memorial between Labor Day and Memorial Day. So it's 99 days, a thousand miles makes for a pretty solid summer. And so that worked out well with Boulder Boulder kicking it off. And Brian was starting his training up. And I was like, well, my goal of this entire summer is just to put wood on the fire. Um, Like when you look at, when you look at how you structure training, we can increase a couple things. We can either increase your volume. We can increase your intensity. We have all these, th- all these variables we can work with. And you don't want to increase them all at once. So my goal for this summer was just to increase volume. I was like, can I... I'm just going to see how much I can run. I, I'm, I'm, not tr- I'm not racing. My, uh, it, it worked out really well. I had a, so I, I just got married a few weeks ago. It was very exciting. Why, thank you, thank you. And um, we were getting married on the, the day before Labor Day, or uh, before Memorial Day, rather. I was mixed the two, but it was right before Memorial Day. And, no, Labor Day? Labor Day. You just got married. Labor Day. September 5th was Labor yeah. Day. So it was the day before yeah, Labor Day. Hard sometimes. I get it. They're really tough. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, I've got like this 99 days of 
hard work. Let's see how this goes. And I just kind of wanted to push until I felt a wall, which again, this is not a training recommendation to everyone out there. Um, this is a study of one and very much was like, all right, I'm not racing until later in the year. So I just want to see what I can hold down for some consistent work. And I ended up running like, golly, what was it? Just shy of 1400 miles in the 99 days. Um, it was a lot of running. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of running. It's a lot of running. I've never ran this much in my life. And eventually it got to the point where I had started to stack a few consistent like 100 mile weeks. And that's like in the running world, that's a, a thing because the human mind likes big round numbers and is 100 miles better than 95 miles it's all about like time on feet and whatever works for you. But I was like, yeah, I'm just going to try to hold down some training where I'm running like 14 to 16 hours a week. Um, I break that up pretty, pretty consistently. Um, I always work out on Monday morning, double Monday afternoon, medium long run on a Tuesday morning. So like 90 to uh, 120 minutes every Tuesday, um, usually take Tuesday evening off. Don't run twice. I usually go and lift on Tuesday evenings. Um, Wednesday morning run for eight to 10 miles Wednesday evening, four to five for the double Thursday morning workout Thursday evening, double Friday morning, like eight to 10 miles Friday evening off Saturday morning, long run. So usually two and a half hours or longer, if it's a workout, I'll double after the long run. I don't recommend that to everybody. Um, sometimes I just like to shake the legs after a really hard effort, like for 15 minutes. Um, and then like uh, 10 miles in the morning on Saturday, five miles in the evening. And that's like my, was my, ended up being about my pretty standard split of the week. Then it was just like, depending on how long any of the workouts were, would vary. Was this like 105 to 120 mile week, somewhere in there. But when it came to, that big one forty, um, it ended up working around this really cool adventure that some of my friends had planned. I'm a uh, dirty, rotten, no good road runner, and I spend all my time training on the roads and a little bit on the trail. But I've got two friends who are just fabulous trail ultra people. Uh, Trish and Olivia, and they were like, Matt, you should definitely come along with us. We're running the collegiate loop. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. Uh, but this is like two girls who one of them has the FKT across the Erie Canal. So like 410 miles across New York. They're, they're, they're very good at just like big ultra, ultra distance stuff. Uh, I, I've, I've paced Trish in a, in some, in a hundred miler before, um, known Olivia for years. And it was like, Oh, they were like, you're going to have a blast. We're going to do this. We're going to run this big loop. And I was like, I don't know if I can get for the whole big loop, but I'll at least catch you guys at the halfway point. So the collegiate loop starts at twin lakes, um, goes down past Buena Vista to Monarch pass 
From there, you go up the Continental Divide Trail on the west side of the loop all the way back towards Twin Lakes. So there's a bit of crossover from the Leadville 100 mile course, a little bit of the fun that you're used to of Hope Pass, the, I would say, hardest part of that course. So we got to run all that. And I, I, get, I, I think that this was uh, definitely, I don't think I set out with the intention of running this like 140 mile week. But I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm in the middle of my summer of fitness, the summer of seltzer. I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to do my normal thing. I'm going to run my weekly. I'm going to run like the same week I described. I'm going to have my pretty standard split. And then we get to this, uh, the halfway point of the, of, of the collegiate loop where I was jumping in and I, had been sent it the night before. So I, I didn't really do much of a recon on this, which is goes to show my uh, that I am truly the novice out of the three of us. And I look at it and I was like, this is this looks like a big weekend. I think we're running like about a hundred miles this week in like the next three days. And that was exactly what we did. Um, so like every day we were running uh, between like 25 and 40 miles at about 10 to 13,000 feet above sea level, uh, consuming a crazy amount of calories, like sleeping, like we were running with all of our gear. So we all had like these ultralight sleeping bags and super small bivy tents, like tiny stuff. And we were just carrying it all on our, on our bags. Like they were like huge running vests essentially. And it, was such a shift from my like my, my training is very i love consistency i find consistency is the best like thing you're ever gonna have if you want to get good like this cycle is only a stepping stone onto the next cycle and then we have to look back at the past three because that's just going to continue to lift you up but i very much this was like a big shift for me and i was kind of blown away by the time we got done i still felt okay like i went and i went and after we surprising. finished i ran the next day i was wow. so surprised we because i think we it was ended up being like 98 or 99 miles or was it 102 i, I have to put i have to put it together and like twenty thousand feet of vert and that's clearly that's not my game. I am I I run like two to four thousand feet a week, and that's just and that's a good week's four thousand feet. Um, but it was a fascinating experience, and I got this. I feel like I I got this huge boost afterwards. Like I felt fantastic. I, I it helped that I had taken a few days of hard work above 10,000 feet. That was definitely the most work I've ever done up that high. But I feel like the structure was not intentional coming from someone who is very intentional with how he structures his work. And I feel like that was part of the reason it ended up working out so well. I think if I had tried to do this like big, big kind of week in my normal range and intensity, 
it might not have gone as well. But this was very much a shift from my standard training, like a super cool injection of of new stimulus. Yeah, that sounds so fun. And, you know, I'm like you, I'm super structured when I'm approaching my training. I like to plan out the number of miles I'm going to run per day. And, you know, if it's off by a mile or two, okay, but not too much more than that, because, you know, I've got a goal that I'm trying to hit and all that. So that certainly resonates with me. Specificity is key. Got to have specificity. And I really like your comment that what you're doing now is a stepping stone to the next cycle, which is a stepping stone to the next cycle. And you kind of have to look back to see how you've gotten where you are today. And I'd like to do that a little bit because obviously you didn't just jump into running 140 miles in a week. You've had experience running relatively high mileage in the past. So maybe we can start with just how long have you been running? Maybe how old are you right now, Matt? And and how'd you get into this sport? What's up, everybody? My name is Matt Meyer. I am 30 years old. And 30, I we've got a young in, man on our hands. I got a young man, baby. Young buck here. <sighs> That's what they call me. Um, they, uh, the last, so I've been running, I would say I've been training consistently for the last five years, which in the scope the, of, the, of the running world is so small. I have got very fresh legs. I don't have a lot of miles in my legs as compared to uh, a lot of the other people that I'm running with. And like, I found running was like this thing for me that kind of pulled me out of a pretty heavy downward spiral in my life. Um, might not look it now, but I was used to be a pretty big guy. Um, I definitely had let a little bit of addiction and substance kind of take the reins of my life and running was this thing that got me back to myself. And since then, like looking back before feels almost like a different person in the fact that I can't see my life without running in whatever capacity is right now. Just the idea that running's given me a way to structure my life, a way to like always hold myself accountable to always be working towards a goal, whatever it is. It gives me a way to be my best self. And that just like wasn't there for me beforehand. And I started, so originally from Colorado, um, I moved out to New York. I was pursuing an acting career out there. And the, there came a point when I woke up one day and I was like, I'm, really not proud of myself and who I am and something has to change. And so I had no money and I thought, what is the, what is like one of the cheapest things I can do? Let's go for a run. There's, I can run around the block. And I started really simply like, uh, I would run a mile and it was really hard. (laughs) I, was doing I, I would just continue to do that. I'd run a mile. I'd run a mile. Okay, I feel like after two weeks of doing this, I feel less terrible. Maybe I can do two miles. Maybe I can do a couple more. And this started to build. Eventually, I uh, used to. I, I was living in Astoria, Queens, and I would always run to Astoria Park, um, where that was like the six miles. It was like three miles there and three miles back, and it was like, 
I can't believe I'm running so far. It blew my mind because I just never been a runner. And I was able to find my way into the New York run community where someone was like, Oh, do you, do you race? I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't race. I don't do, I, I barely know how to, I barely know what I'm doing right now. And by like a really lucky turn of fate, I found my way into a really good group of friends out there who trained for marathons. And I remember one day we had, um, I had met a friend who was like, Hey, you should come to this beer mile we have. And I was like, Oh, sweet. That sounds crazy. Went, saw it, had no idea what I was doing. Definitely puked. Um, but afterwards we were talking, having fun. And this, some of these guys were like, so what are you training for right now? As, as we all ask each other these days, like, what are you training for? And I was like, Oh, um, I didn't really have an answer. Um, and someone was like, are you, cause we were, uh, it was later in, it's probably in like, golly, like gotta be like August or September because they were like, you're, you're not training for Chicago because Chicago is happening this weekend. And I was like, oh yeah, definitely not Chicago. And someone was like, are you running Philly? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm running the Philadelphia marathon. hundred percent. That's definitely what I'm doing. Went home that night, signed up right away. Um, <laughs> I, know, I was like, I, I said I was running this race. I, I, I got to go uh, sign up for this race. Had no idea what I was doing. And my friends just kind of pulled me along and I found my way into running. I uh, ran like, uh, kind of just hopped in, figured it out, ran 257 for my first marathon, enjoyed the heck out of it, had way too much fun. Um, and then <laughs> I started like getting involved in the run scene. Like, Oh, these are these are what the professionals do. These are like what everybody's doing. All right, how do how do people get better at running? They must run a lot. Um, so I jump in and I was like, okay, people talk about these big weeks. I'm gonna start running big weeks. Bad idea. I had gone from like 20, 30 mile weeks, jumped up to like 90 to a hundred bilateral tibial stress fractures really, really quickly. Uh, ended up running this race, the speed project on the stresses, uh, couldn't run for three months afterwards. Cause I just, after, after the doctor looked at it and he's like, I'm personally surprised that you didn't actually fracture your tibia with how deep this crack had gone. Um, so counted a few blessings on that one. And I, again, was very lucky and got pulled in by a very good group of runners and specifically PTs who, big shout out to New York City's custom performance, best in the biz if you guys are out there. They got me back on my feet and also completely steered my career, my running, all of this into a place where like now I work at a PT clinic, I work as a strength coach and a running coach and I get to help people working back through injuries, people working for performance goals, whatever it is, wouldn't have had any of that without them. But they kind of took away everything that I thought running was supposed to be. And it was like, all right, you have to start with this base. And this idea that like every block is a stepping stone for the next block and for the next block. I 
was in a, I was in uh, crutches for a long time. And then eventually I got barely cleared to run and I was signed up for Chicago marathon and my PT Lisbeth, bless her. She's the best. She was like, we're going to get you there and you can run it, but we're going to do this on like 20, 30 miles a week. Cause that's all you can handle right now. And I was, I was frustrated because I was like, I need, I need to run faster. I need to do more. Like more is better. Not necessarily. And it, it was the first time that I'd ever really examined. I was again, still so new in the running world that this was like the first time I'd examined the quality and the purpose of the training. Like how could I put quality over quantity in this one? I just thought more would fix the problems, but more actually created the problems. So how could I get a decent training block out of running like three days a week, four days a week? How do we make this session the highest quality we could get? How do we supplement all this with strength training, which is now like cornerstone of my running and my strength to go together to make things happen. Um, after this, after like that setback, I realized I was like, if I want to be really good, I have to be durable and I have to be very intentional with how I do this. So I started looking at this as like, what's like the most that my body can handle? Okay. I can only take this big of a bite right now. But if I take enough of these small bites, eventually I can take a slightly larger bite. I made it through this cycle. I think I topped out at like 40 miles, um, ran 242 in Chicago that fall. Had a blast. And each one of those, like I, looking at each one of these cycles, it's like, I'll talk to somebody right now and they'll, they'll like look on my Strava or something. They're like, how do you do that? And I was like, it's taken years to build my workload capacity to be able to handle this. And I'm still like, there are people who run way more than I do. And you have to be able to get to like, I can't just jump the line. You have to hit this step and then you have to hit this step and then this step. And like, I'm trying to think of who the first person that ever talked to me about like these like consecutive cycles was. Um, one of my first running coaches I ever had, Steve Kirsch, we were talking about that and it's like, fantastic. I remember I finished this race and he was like, great work. Now, how, we're going we're gonna to use this. We're going to use this to get us into the next thing. And I'd never really thought about it as like, I, I really thought about each cycle as kind of like its own thing. You put it away. But rather, every cycle, it's like build, 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 perform, peak, recover a little bit. And then we're going to come back up. And so we're never starting back at square one if we're able to successfully complete a cycle. And so if we look at a runner and we see, oh, well, they're running these times off of one completed cycle. What can they do off of two consecutives, three consecutives, four consecutive healthy cycles? If you can run consecutively for a year without any non-deliberate breaks. So like non-planned breaks. So like I take a lot of structured downtime. I just came off of like two weeks of jogging a couple days a week, like 15 miles total. But I'm going to come, I'm on my way back up because I just came off this huge summer intentionally taking these downtimes so that I can connect all these cycles because it's like, I can only do so much in 15, 16 weeks. But if I look 
back and like, what can I do over a year? And that became the goal was like, how do I become a really durable runner? How do I become a really strong runner by linking cycle to cycle to cycle? How do I, because I am like, I have these big goals and I can't reach them in one cycle. So I have to look at this from a big macro view of, okay, let's get to this place in on the road. And then we're going to take a little downtime, recover, reset, and then keep going. So now that we are a little farther down the road and a little farther down the road, like the, the, the weeks that I can run now, even a year ago, I couldn't do. And that's, that's something that I love about the periodization of the training is that it's like each one of these is completely built on what the last one was. And the last one was, that's all about the progress. Yeah. And you've certainly experienced all this progress. It's pretty amazing to hear it as you kind of walk through this journey through the sport of running. And you, you had some talent pretty early on. I mean, your first marathon, you ran a sub three, you said your, your training wasn't great. You didn't really know exactly what you were doing, no but, <laughs> but you know, you, you got that sub three, then you ran two forty two. Um, what's your, what's your marathon PR right now? Right now I've ran, I've ran 234. Um, we, I've, I've had a few hiccups over the last uh, few cycles. If I like this, this goes into what I think we, we it's, it's really hard. We spend as runners, we spend months training for one day to go really well and not even just one day, but like a couple hours on one day to go really well. And my last two races have not gone super well. Uh, I ran Boston earlier this year, ran 235, pretty hefty blow up for me. And I ran Chicago last fall um, in an absolute inferno. And that didn't go super well either, 239, I think. Uh, but each one of those, I, I would look at it like I didn't get a PR on the day, but that was very much like a PR cycle for me where I'd look at the whole cycle where I'm like, wow, I was able to, in this one, run more than I ever have. I was able to run super consistently. I was never injured. I was pulling like lifting PRs along with my running PRs. I was like the whole cycle looked great. So I'm going to take that as a big win, even though the day didn't necessarily pan out the way that I wanted. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten the, the time on paper that I really like. We're shooting. I, I haven't, well, I'm going to knock on the wood. I'm really shooting for around 225 for CIM this year. Super exciting. And I think you have such a healthy mindset around your training because it's so easy to get obsessed about the end result, the final outcome but you're taking this very holistic look at your training and you're looking at, hey, I'm running more consistently than I ever have before. I'm lifting heavier weights than I ever have before. I'm running higher mileage weeks individually than I ever have before. And it's this macro view that I think is, is one of the big reasons why you've likely experienced so much progress just over the couple of years is that, like you said earlier, you're not trying to take a huge bite today. You're trying to take a manageable bite today and then a little bit later on, try to take in a slightly larger bite. And it's that very gradual approach that I think is super healthy. And, you know, one of the things I'm always trying to, to get runners to think a little bit more about is their annual mileage instead of their weekly mileage. 
because yeah, we can talk about 140 miles a week and and slap you on the back, Matt, and you're you're so tough and you're such a great runner. I'm actually more interested in what you've done over the course of a year because it's that level of consistency that I think is even more impressive. And you even started this whole story with you know, the, the summer of fitness, the summer of seltzers. I don't know how the seltzers kind of work into that, but I like it anyway. They're delicious and very helpful. When you come in from a hot run, you crack a seltzer. (laughs) I, I did have a summer where I maybe unhealthily drank LaCroix seltzers like I was pounding beers. It was, it was that level of, of aggression with the seltzers, but at the same time, there, there is an, there's an aggression to it. Yeah. But I was so hydrated. (laughs) Oh, I, I, I'm like a big polar seltzer guy. Um, they're my favorite, um, shout out to Ruby red grapefruit polar number one goaded by of all time. I go through like in the summer, I'd go through like three 12 packs. Because I would just come in and be like, I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. And it's like a very special quenching feeling that I can only get from seltzer. But when you see like you're looking at like the macro cycle and like the 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 big one, like that 140 mile week would have been stupid if it then detracted from the next three from like the three months. If like I always talk to my clients, like one day should never overshadow the week. One week should never overshadow the month. One month should never overshadow the cycle. And like, we have to think like, okay, yeah, I could do this really cool big thing today. And if, and when we should pick those days, like throughout the year, we need peaks. We need peaks to complement the valleys. But if you are always trying to peak, it eventually just becomes this plateau as opposed to like, Pick the moments when you want to be successful. If you if we sit in like this comfortable zone of like Cruiseville, that's what we want. That's when we can keep things consistently. Like I think I'm just about to like three thousand miles on the year already, and I still I'm just starting my CIM cycle started this week. Where I'm like, all right, we're gonna pull big miles this year. We still got way more miles to go, and it's. I think if you look at it from like, we love PRs. PRs are great. I'm a huge fan of PRs. Haven't had one in a bit, but I'm looking at like what other kind of, we have have more than just the one time. And a lot of times we wrap our identities in our performance as a runner rather than like, for me, the goal is always not to run a really good race, but to become a really good runner. And I feel like that's like the thing I always try to come back to is I'm not trying to just run one really good race. I really want to become a good runner. And that is, I can't do that on one day. I have to do that over a period of time. I see, definitely it's a bolder thing. I see people that are twice my age crushing. I see, I I, I work with clients that are in their 80s that are still doing what they want to do. And I'm like, that's the goal. How do I keep consistency here that can like carry on through the rest of my life? Because if I do something now that takes it away later, it's no longer worth it for me. So like I'm doing what I can now that still allows me to pursue my goals, but also isn't going to absolutely crush me. 
What I love about this, Matt, is that you've done something kind of special in training, you know, get this huge week. It's this really round number, you know, 20 miles a day, 140 in a week, but you're not putting it on a pedestal. You're not saying like that was the goal. You're sort of just admitting that I did it because I could. It was fun. It wasn't the end goal and it didn't detract from the rest of my training. And I think that is like the way to go about it, because like you said, if you ran 140 miles in a week, but then you got injured and you couldn't run for six weeks and you were dealing with treatment and it was this chronic cycle of, man, I got this big issue now. Who cares about the 140 miles in a week? Because now all of a sudden you can't even run anymore. You wasted all the work that you'd put in beforehand. 100%. And like you look at, and this is something I try to talk to athletes a lot about is don't leave your race out in training you 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 have to take we're talking about little bites we're taking bites and that is like how the human body works is that like we take in a bite we like adapt and then we're a little bit better and then we take in a bigger bite and we're a little bit better and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger it's like when we make like huge jumps that's when it's like oh the body freaks out a little bit but if you're able to relax and keep this into like a manageable, consistent progression. (sighs) Unstoppable. Things happen. Things happen when you like, I just had a client, I just had a client PR in Berlin and she's so excited. We knocked 15 minutes off our marathon. And I was like, this is so good. Let's celebrate this huge day. But also this correlates to the next thing we've been looking, we've been working together for a year And we didn't see any results for a while because we had to like get the consistency and running specifically distance running is the training is not sexy. It is not flashy. It is boring zone two. It is adaptation that takes time and gradual adjustments. Nothing about that is, is flashy and it takes so long, but when the when the adaptations when those gains start coming you're like all this work i've been doing for all these other things has finally started to life's finally starting to reap these rewards because it's that's just long distance means like also like long training and it means lots of patience yeah long time periods as well it's definitely a long-term sport um Matt, I'd love to back up a little bit and talk about specifically how this week was structured because you had this big adventure on the weekend, you know, this three-day, almost about a hundred mile adventure in the mountains. And so, you know, it sounded like you rested a little bit heading into this weekend adventure because otherwise maybe you would have run 180 or 200 miles during the week, which would have been a little crazy. So can you walk us through like how the week looked of the 140 miles? I'll pull it up, especially. Um, I'm going to make sure I'm good and accurate on this one. The, so like I still, <laughs> maybe this is the part of the fun one. It's like I still uh, ran a lot of the workouts that I, I wanted to, which is, kind of goofy like i just came off of let me see if i can pull it up yeah um it was like right around the fourth of july so i had been up in montana visiting some family and i'd had like some 
downtime where I had been pulling like a few big weeks beforehand, um, like like 100 to 110 miles, just some steady work, letting the body adapt. And life happens when we're running, which sometimes I think we all forget that especially if we're not professional, we're not getting paid for this, we should do this because we like it. And whenever like running starts to take away from enjoying your life, I I don't find that to be super healthy. Um, but I was able to, so like took a few days, I think I took like two days off, like 4th of July, so that I could just focus on uh, r- like riding boats and drinking beers and other fun things. But going into that week, I'd still did like my normal thing where I had like easy, I was still doing those same things where I like had like a Tuesday morning workout or Tuesday morning workout. And then I'm looking, looking at it. I shifted my week around a little bit. So I had a Tuesday morning workout um, with an easy double that afternoon. Wednesday ran my hour in the morning, doubled for five that evening. Then on what is that? Thursday ran a threshold little wave tempo that morning. Shout out to the wave tempo. Favorite way to run tempos um, with an easy five mile double. So what is that? Uh, 13 in the morning, five miles in the evening. Took like a nice easy jog the next day. I think I ran, just ran like four miles. So I like tapered it down a little bit. I wasn't nearly as aggressive as I would have been throughout the week. But Going in, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely had no clue what was waiting for me. Um, pulled back a little bit, but then, like by the time I got back, the next day, I had, God, I think I ran. I didn't. Did I run a workout? I didn't run a workout. Um, that that Tuesday, the day after, because I think we finished our run. We did like Friday. We did Saturday, Sunday, Monday to do that big chunk um and then tuesday i was like back on the training where i had my i ran like what is that 12 miles that morning five miles in the evening for my double where i came back down i was like whoa it's so nice to not have a pack full of my gear and i'm not at i'm not at twelve thousand feet i feel amazing down here but like i just didn't let the next week detract. I still, I still ran like a, the following week was still like 96 miles. Following week was just over a hundred. Following week was one Oh five. Didn't want to let it come down. Do you think it was helpful for a bulk of this mileage during this mega mileage week to be very different than the way that you normally run your mileage? Because first of all, different surface, you're, you're on, a high elevation, high altitude trails. And because of the altitude, because of the surface, no doubt you were likely running substantially slower than you were running in Boulder or in Denver, where the altitude is a lot lower and you're on the roads. Very much so. The like average pace was like twice, twice what I would normally do. Um, and I think that like if I, if I look back and I had tried to say, say I went up with like the goal, like we were saying that I think, I feel like I, I kind of stumbled into this big week that it definitely wasn't the goal, but I stumbled into this big week and 
if I had structured that big of a week and it had stayed at like the level of intensity and the same kind of surface, I don't think it would have gone as well. But the fact that this was something very different and new for my running, I think it really helped me be more like, like we look at the different stimulus. If I have you run on the same surface every single day and we do the same, same effort, it's your, your patterns of overuse are just right there. And it's definitely going to come up And this, like running on like technical mountain terrain, super different. I was on my feet for way longer throughout the day. Uh, I was so hungry. I was hungry for like a week afterwards. Like I'm always hungry, but I was like so hungry, <laughs> whole nother level of hunger. And the, the uh, yeah, the shift, had I, had I tried to put that level of work into like that level of work into the next one, I, I really don't think it would have gone as well. Cause I'm looking at this, at this trap, like my block, like I didn't, take any days off after this big, the big week, because I felt good. And I was able to just like power through and I felt fine. Still was like still running workouts and like the body felt okay, which is, uh, definitely it was like a little stiff, but, um, had I tried to do that same thing out here where I feel like, it's, 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 it's tough to get 20 miles a day when you have everything else. I'm, I, I'm, I'm like a pretty consistent when, when I'm in big weeks, I'm like 16 to 17, 16, 17 is like a pretty standard day for me, but like trying to fit in those extra three miles a day just really adds up over time. And so like looking after that, I, I'm looking at some of these weeks and it's like, oh, there's no way. Uh, I could have done that. <laughs> yeah. I think it gets harder when you're running faster. There's just more mechanical stress on your legs. And then if you're on the roads, you're on concrete sidewalks, you're, you're certainly pounding your body a lot more. And I'd love to talk a little bit about the pacing of your runs during the week, because we, we talked about this briefly last month at the Endeavor Run Retreat, where I think you had mentioned it or someone mentioned it and my ears perked up and I started peppering you with questions. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to get you on the podcast to talk about this. And and you said a lot of your miles are very slow and you used a very choice term for the pace on some of those runs. And I'd love for you to talk about both the workouts that you were doing and and how hard they were uh, from a relative perspective. And then also like, what did your easy runs look like? I used a very specific term. I recall, I think I called them dog shit slow. (laughs) and it's it's how all of my stuff is i think that whenever i'm talking to anybody the faster that i get the slower my easy runs get like as my performance increases i have to like as, as the pendulum swings one way i have to let it swing back an equal amount the other way so like today um my friend, uh, Emma and I went for a nice jog. We did about 14 miles and the first mile split was like nine, 10 for reference. My, my marathon pace is like a five thirty. It's, I am the biggest proponent ever of easy runs, easy, hard runs, hard. 
I my split is a pretty consistent like 80 20 70 30 like 70 to 80 percent of my mileage is dog shit slow it's easy runs it's comfortable if i am not having if i'm not conversational if my heart rate is like above 130 let them go let them go i i think that we have something really cool here in boulder uh my teammates and i on the track club have made this thing called soft hour um and soft hour happens every wednesday 7 a.m and we go for soft hour, soft conversation, soft surface, and very soft pace. So there is a, it's it's a nice group of like motivated runners. Like we get like world champs coming and running with us because they're like, I never get to run this slow. <laughs> we all go out. It is one hour long. The distance changes every week depending on how you feel, which I think is something that should apply to everyone's training. But sometimes we don't necessarily listen or are open to listening to what that easy pace should feel like. Um, I think that you have to develop that listening capability in your body, knowing what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Um, But we're running like 8.30 pace or slower. And that's, again, three minutes slower than goal marathon. And it's, it's key. It's what all my, like, I, I, I can't start fast. <laughs> I can't start fast. I, I like when I look at my training throughout the week, I do, I run probably two to three workouts a week. I would say to Monday morning, Thursday morning, and then like alternating Saturdays. Like if I, like if I do Saturday at this intense following Saturday is going to be just chill miles. Um, also depends on what the focus of the training is. Are we in like a marathon block? Are we training for a 5K? All depends on your goals. But for me right now, I spend the most amount of my miles very easy, slower than eight minutes. And I love that because it's comfortable. It's conversational. I, I'm lucky I get to run with people a lot. So I'm running with my friends and I don't want to be huffing and puffing. A, it's also in that gray zone where I'm not getting anything out of it. If I'm running faster, my body is not getting any of that adaptation. It's I'm getting fatigued without actually working hard enough to get any gains. Um, so I don't want to waste my time. But when it comes to workouts... We're doing, so right now we're in the marathon blocks. We're currently really focused on, on raising threshold. So for me, threshold pace is like 515 to 525. So I spend a bulk of my work in like this very specific, like 10 second range. Um, If it's shorter, it squeezes down a little bit tighter, but also we look at this like, blocks same thing with our training it's all about adaptation over time we two weeks ago we were doing like things where i was like all right let's like start to take bites out of 400s we're gonna do 20 by 400 30 seconds off um at threshold so i'm taking so for me that's running like 78 to 81 on that 400 so that puts it like right in that like 515 to 525 range. So super small. I eventually want to run a marathon at that pace. So I'm going to start really small. Can I get good at doing it this big? 
Then last week, it's like, okay, let's, let's jump that up a little bit. Let's do some 800s. Earlier this week, we did um, that, that built into Ks. So now it's like, all right, can I do 1,000 meters on, 200 meters off at this pace? So it's all about like, for me, taking like these small bites again, same thing with my mileage, same thing with everything else, get good at doing the little thing, and then build it, build it, build it. And I'd say that makes up like 20% of my training is the faster stuff. But changes with elevation, of course, like we have to give ourselves a little bit of that um, difference between what I would run at sea level versus what we run up here, what that converts to. Uh, but very focused right now on the marathon and very focused on raising my threshold. Because I feel like I'm already an aerobic tank. Um, I can run a long time and my short stuff feels great. I'm, I feel, I feel like I'm still maintaining a lot of turnover. Uh, a lot of that comes from strength work. Um, right now we're, I'm focusing a lot on explosive concentric movements, uh, a lot of jumping right now, just to focus on leg spring stiffness, brand 28 in a 200 this week after, 10 by K and I was like, Hey, we still got some wheels because we always want to maintain, even as marathoners, we want to maintain that quick, fast fiber, that nice spicy stuff, even though it's just a little bit, we're just, we're maintaining those fibers without putting all of our focus on it. Matt, when you're in a big week, you know, when you're maybe 110, 120, certainly when you did 140, were you also focusing your workouts a bit more on the threshold related work. And, and I ask because, you know, I think of all the different types of workouts that you might be able to run. Threshold is starting to get to the point where it's slow enough where the mechanical stress isn't nearly as fast as if you're running 5k pace, or as if you're running anything faster than that, you know, VO2 max oriented type workouts where you're really pushing the intensity. And I think when you're optimizing for volume, which you kind of said you were doing, you, the intensity has to come down. So it, is that, was that your mindset going into this kind of a big week? You can't, you can't raise them both. Like we have to, we have to, you have to pick, are we going to raise volume this week or are we going to raise intensity? We're going to like, I can't do volume and intensity at the same time. That's a recipe for getting injured. So we're going to maintain. So like, maybe we're going to bring down the intensity this week, but we're going to increase your volume. So I'm spending a great majority of the time at that threshold or even sub threshold. We do like, I'm a big fan of doing like 80% of, of marathon pace up here because that works really well in my body. It is a low mechanical stress, but I'm still getting like great aerobic and like aerobic adaptation where if we're doing like, say I do a 10 mile tempo in the long run. Now, if I did that to like true tempo, that would like, that would be tough. 10 miles up here at tempo is challenging. Even 10 miles up here at marathon is challenging. So like this weekend I ran 22 on Saturday. Um, we'd done what was it? Monday was 10 by K with 400, 300, 200 at the finish. Nice, easy runs throughout the week. Medium long for like 12 or 13. Easies on Wednesday. Thursday did 20 by 400 at that like light, 
like still threshold effort, but then with like a big hard push at the end. And then Saturday came around for my long run. It was nine miles easy. And then, um, six to 10 miles at like five fifty. So that's like 80% of marathon effort where I want to run, I'm running like hard effort, but I don't want it to detract from the next week. Cause if I did 10 miles of marathon, I would be wrecked. <laughs> I was able to run the next day and feel great. And so like we, we spend a lot of time in that threshold zone. That's for me personally, again, this is study of one. <laughs> uh, some people need to build this side of their engine or this side of their engine. So you have to find what works for you. Um, for me, my biggest struggle is I run out of leg in the marathon at like two hours right now. And then those last 30 minutes, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I just really am starting to fall apart. So for what's going to help the most is building that threshold where like I'm raising my ceiling, um, of being able to be in this hard zone but it's not 5k pace. Like you said, the mechanical stress of this, I, I'm trying to get like how efficient can we be in this zone? How comfortable can we be in this zone? How mechanically efficient can we be in this zone? Little things over time. And you can put in a lot. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see you practicing the same principles that you preach to your athletes. You know, let's not make today more important than the next week of training. So instead of actually running my marathon pace, I'm going to run 15 seconds a mile slower than my marathon pace. And I think a lot of people would struggle with that because it's not their marathon pace. They don't feel like they're working very hard, but it's almost like that one workout is just a drop in the bucket when compared to the entire training cycle. And then of course, cycle stacked on top of cycle stacked on top of cycle. You'd much rather get in that 80% workout and be healthy enough to tell the tale and continue running. And then I can hit it hard next week too. I can, I, I don't feel like I ever have to pull back. Like I, I show up literally, I ran that. And then what is it? Today is Tuesday. So yesterday, I ran three mile, two mile, one mile, and my legs felt fresh. I was fine. I did a lifting clinic this weekend where we were focusing on some like barbell technique. I was, I knew that was coming. So I was like, all right, we, we can't, we can't hit it too hard in the long run because then by the time Monday rolls around, I mean, your long run is still the cornerstone. That's like what everything else is built around the cornerstone of the week. By the time my Monday workout came around, I was still good to hop in and run like threshold work where again, it's not going to be that same level of muscular fatigue or mechanical breakdown as if I was running like really, really fast. If I was doing 5k or below everything there, I was between marathon and like, just like little bit. I think I ran like, I think my last mile, we ended up like 520 for that last mile out of the three, two, one. And that's like, right there towards the end of that threshold. But that's where a lot of this work has to live inside. Like we think about these big uh, spectrums of, of, of pace. We want to be flexible. Of course, like I, I, I'll have clients that get a little frustrated and they're like, Oh, I should have been running this, but it needed to be 
two seconds faster. And I'm like, okay, this two seconds faster is not important. I don't want to say like it's not important, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be a huge, it's not going to make a huge difference. What's more important is like, can it be super, like, can we be consistent, smooth throughout this workout? If that two seconds is what determines the difference between you making it or breaking it, I'll give up that two seconds all day. I want you to keep going steady. So for me, like, same thing. Like, can we look at this from a big cycle? Can we look, can we take the, the macro view? Can we take the micro view? What is the micro win here today? What is the macro win here today? Yeah, it's funny. I had a very similar conversation with one of my athletes last week because she did a tempo run and her tempo splits were, I think on average, maybe eight seconds per mile slower than they quote unquote should have been. And she wanted a pep talk. She wanted to be kind of talked off the ledge because she was feeling really down about herself. And, you know, when it comes to tempo pace too, there's so many other factors that influence, you know, where that line between aerobic and anaerobic is and your lactate levels. I'm like, look, you, you then went on to list this whole litany of factors that were working against you on this workout day. You didn't get a lot of sleep. It was hotter than usual out. And the list went on. Of course, you're going to be a little bit slow. I don't really think the body actually knows too much of a difference between, you know, if you're running 645 pace for your tempo runs or 636, considering all the other things that are going on. Tempo is an effort and tempo is a range. There is, it, the, the, like people are like, my tempo pace is blank, blank, blank. It's like, how do you know? So, some days that might feel really easy. And some days that might feel the, like the hardest possible thing to do. And you have to adjust. You have to adjust. Like you talk to any pro athlete, they might wake up and they're like, we got to move this workout. I don't have it today. And that's okay. We all have to, you, you have to have this element of malleability and flexibility in your training where, you know what? The amount of times I've shown up to a workout and it's been like, all right, we're going to run eight by mile, or we might run six by mile, or we might run nine or 10 by. You don't know how you're going to feel until you're in it. And then you have to like, continue to build this relationship with your body. It's a conversation that you're always having as a runner. How do I feel? To, oh, that rep felt like that felt rep was so bad. Okay. This is your first one. First run doesn't even count. I'll just toss it out, but let's like start to look at it from the bigger view. Okay. Well, I felt good if I pulled back by five seconds. Fantastic. Let's keep it there. Let's let the next, like, what is the purpose of this run? Are we trying to focus on getting really fast? Are we training for the 5K? And then let's work it down. Are we training for the marathon? Then let's pull back five seconds and see if we can do six reps. Cool, let's get six reps and talk. Does the six feel good? You're like, um, I feel like I could do two more, but if only if I kept it at this pace. Awesome, let's do two more and keep it at this pace. Like there's no, and I feel like a lot of athletes, like, especially as they start to get better at their running, as they get like more invested in their training, they become underneath, like they just get bogged down by the data and bogged down by the numbers. And sometimes the, the numbers are, 
are, are against you. And so like, are the numbers not helping you feel good up top? Throw the numbers out. Just run hard. Like, what's your tempo look like? Oh, it's got to be. No, it can be anything like this. Like, what's your lactic levels? What's like, what's your blood lactic looking like? What is your heart rate looking like? What's your perceived exertion? These are all pieces of the puzzle, but one of them is not more important than any of the others. Like, have you ever been in like a workout and you were running really great and then you look down at your watch and it didn't correlate with what you thought was happening? Because it happens to all of us where I'm like, I just did one a couple of weeks ago where I was, we did six by mile and my last one coach was like, let's rip this last one. You're taking like, uh, you, you have like a down period coming up. Let's just rip a mile. Let's see how you feel. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to look at my watch for a while. And I was going and going and I knew the course that we were on. So I knew where an 800 split was relatively. And I looked down and I'd ran 218 for the 800. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. I am in over my head. Like the, I had been, I was fine. I was fine. But because I had an opinion and an idea of what that number actually meant, I shot myself in the foot. And then I like, I still ran like, I think it was like 450, but like I could have kept going, but I started to think about how it was. And it goes in the same way on the other direction. Like you might be thinking that you're working really, really hard. And then you go down and you look and the number doesn't match up with what the effort is. That happens all the time. So what if you just take that as a piece of data and you're like, okay, Interesting. Interesting. Like if we were able to look at it at the same way that we look at like something like, you know, like when you switch somebody's pace to K's and they somehow no longer have, then they like don't have a relationship with the numbers. If I have someone who really struggles with their pace per mile, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to run 4k. And they're like, well, 4k. And I was like, you're going to switch your watch to kilometers and then you're going to come through. And I'm going to tell you, I want you to keep it about like this, but like if it's, here's your range for this. And then they get done and they're like, wow, I ran so hard. It's like, yeah, you ran great because you weren't like forming an opinion about what you should be running or what it should feel like because you have no relationship with, with kilometer splits, which I think I I just think that's helpful. Yeah, that's that's a neat little hack to kind of get out of your own head when it comes to your preconceived notions about what is an appropriate mile pace for a given workout. And I see a lot of value in that. And, And it totally reminds me of I have very fond memories of one specific tempo run I did right after I graduated college where I got my younger sister to the track. And I said, you are going to write down my 400 meter splits and my mile splits for this 8K tempo run that I'm going to do on the track. I'm not going to know the splits at all. I just want to look at it later. And it was my fastest tempo ever, while at the same time, just not feeling very hard at all. I just felt like I was out for this, you know, up-tempo run. And yeah, I was cruising along, but I felt good. And all of a sudden, you know, I finish it up and I'm like, hey, let's look at the time my God, I think I ran like 2730 for 8k, which at the time was a great 8k tempo run for me. And I think if I had been looking at my watch and thinking about 
Can I maintain this pace? Is this appropriate for me? And then just kind of going through all those mental gymnastics, I would have maybe shot myself in the foot and not really been able to have such a great workout. So, you know, when we're talking about running high mileage weeks, I think just this art of flexibility with yourself is so critically important because your body doesn't know numbers. Your body knows effort. Your body's not a machine. Body only knows effort and only knows stress. Exactly. Yeah. And Matt, before we wrap today, the last thing I want to ask you about is what your life sort of looked like around the, yeah, the 140 miles in a week that you ran, but you know, that's kind of an interesting week with that big adventure on the weekend. But when you're in another big week and and you're doubling most of these days, you're doing a 20, 22 mile long run. What does the recovery side of things look like for you? I mean, I want to talk about your sleep, your eating, are you taking naps? Are you doing ice baths, compression boots? Like what's your approach to all that? So I'm really lucky that I'm able to get in the amount of volume that I do, the amount of mileage that I do because of the lifestyle that I have built. It's, I don't have kids. I, I, have, a, I, I, have, I have a sweet dog. Her name's Ellie. I, I have a cat, Thomas. You heard him sneezing earlier. Um, I, the way that my life works is set up for this. Um, so I run every morning depends on the week. Some days, sometimes I take weeks take, take a day off. Sometimes I don't. Again, we talked flexibility in training is key. Um, I hit it when I feel good. I take time off when I need it. It's all about week to week. And like, when I look at how that's structured, I am able to, I double probably five days a week usually. Um, some people that doesn't work really well. Some people feel better getting it all in, in one run and then having a longer time in between to recover, which is valid. Um, again, this is study of one. It's all about what feels best for you. Um, I'm strength training two to three days a week. Now what, what that looks like totally changes on like what my, what, what part of the cycle I'm in? Are we trying to pull big weights? Are we trying to just be efficient? Are we trying to focus on like plyometric phase? Is this about getting really poppy and explosive? Is this about handling load? What have you now? I eat a lot. I eat, I would say an impressive amount, (laughs) especially compared to some other people. Um, I just, I just eat a lot. I always have. I mean, like we talked about earlier, I, I used to be pretty big and I think I eat as much, if not, I, I think I eat more now than when I was like 215 pounds. And the, what's the, what's the Quentin Cassidy line? Uh, when the fire's hot, anything will burn. I am. I, I, I try to be pretty intuitive about my eating. Like when I'm hungry, I eat. Um, along with that, like I just try to maintain like a pretty high intake balance between carbs and protein. I'm, I'm not, I, I can't rattle off numbers to you as far as like I'm hitting this goal or that goal. Um, I'm sure that if I did, if I actually like took the time and sat down with a dietitian or a nutritionist, I would find that there is probably some holes in what I'm doing. But for where I'm at right now, I haven't gotten to a place where I need to 
adjust anything. There's no like, say I was super fatigued. Say I was like really overtrained. That's when I would like, all right, I'm going to go back, look, optimize. But right now, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, is kind of what works for me. The way that my like work schedule is, is I run in the morning. I usually see a bulk of clients and patients between like 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then I have this really nice afternoon block where sometimes I nap. Um, I love napping. I'm a huge napper because I am not able to get like nine hours, 10 hours at night. I'd love to, but I need, I have to, I have to get to that level of sleep. So I have to take it in pieces. So like I get an afternoon nap prop, especially when I'm like pulling mileage. Um, if I'm in a big week, I need a nap. I need to nap like three days a week, three or four days a week. Uh, because I'm waking up at like five 30 to six every day. I run at seven. Um, cause I need to be at work by nine 30 or 10. A lot of people need to be work at seven or eight. And so this wouldn't work for them. Um, along with that, I know to be successful, I need to get like eight hours at night. Um, if the sleep starts to wane, the performance does too. Um, I think I, I, I don't use it anymore. I used to wear, I wore a whoop for a while and eventually and whoop didn't, doesn't like the way that I recover. Uh, but I think that there is something really nice in the vocabulary that they use where you, they're like, what do you want to do today? Do you want to get by? Do you want to, uh, be, it's like, do you want to get by? Do you want to perform or do you want to ex like to peak? It, what kind of day do you want? Um, and that's definitely how I have to look at it. Like some days, I, I know that, all right, my recovery is going to be low today because I'm working all day. I'm only able to get this much sleep. I just came off of, like, I tried to prioritize, like, okay, was it a big day? Let's also try to make it, like, a big recovery day. Now is the day, was this one, like, one of my lighter days? Like, Wednesday and Friday are my light days out of the week. Um, Wednesday, I usually just run, like, probably 10 to 12 miles. When I say it out loud, it sounds crazy. Um, that's like my light day. And then Friday is usually like eight to 10 max. Sometimes I just don't run at all that day. So I know that I can, that like, I can be a little less recovered going into that. But the biggest thing for me, uh, my buddy Mara Frioli calls it low hanging fruit. It's the easy shit. Eat food, like hit, we, we, we run marathons, especially if we're talking marathons, ultras, when we're talking about consistent run training, you need to eat so much food. Chances are 80% of the people listening to this aren't hitting goals as far as what you should eat because it's a crazy caloric number because we do something that not everybody else does. I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think runners are special and that we do this really cool thing and that we're really awesome. And you have to have gas in the tank if you want to be able to go like that. Now, I think part of it's like, uh, this is, I would never say that I'm heavy for a runner because that's like, that language is very problematic. But I would say that I like, I would say that I just like have more going along, but I'm also like stronger. I bet you I can out squat a lot of people. Um, 
that are in my same kind of category of runner. Just that's what my body is. And so I have to work with that. I see myself more as a Ford Ranger, less of a Ferrari, but um, we're building it. We're building it out. And so I know calorically what I have to hit. And it's like, all right, I got to eat a lot to keep this thing going. And if you can eat and sleep, you're going to get 80% of the work there. Like we talk about, I love all the recovery tools. I love the boots. I love the ice baths. I love the sauna. I really enjoy all these things. But that's the top of the pyramid. That's that marginal gains. That's the like, are you already doing are you already hitting your sleep goals and are you already eating enough? Because otherwise, like all of athletes talk to me all the time, should I buy this? Should I buy that? And I say, those are great tools, but they're going to get you 5%. They're going to get you 2%. And those are, those are fantastic when we're already hitting the bottom of the pyramid, when we're already hitting the 80% of what's going to make us successful? Are we periodizing our training? Are we taking downtime when we need? Are we sleeping? Are we eating? Are the life factors locked in? So, okay, cool. If we can do that, then cool. Let's already jump in. So for me, one of the big changes I made was I'm saunaing a lot right now. Super fun. I'm doing like, uh, for, for, for the, for the nerds out there, numbers wise, I'm doing 10 to 20 minutes of 180 degrees to 205 degrees without any water post run. So I'm trying to get like there's a lot of there's a lot of research right now on what is the right amount of sauna. You're you're going to get benefits from like 10 minutes but don't need to go more than 20 minutes and we don't want to be hotter than like 25 to 10. I find that like that end of it doesn't really work super well for me. I like the sauna at like 180 to 190. And it's after I've already ran and my core temp is already up. So that's like a little thing that I've added. And I've started to see some heat training adaptation, which is something that I struggle with. I'm not great in the heat. So I was like, all right, I'm going to keep focusing on my sleep and my food, the low hanging fruit. And now that I've like met that barrier for entry, I'm going to add in the little things. I if I had access to a cold plunge, I'd probably do it. Um, I really like cold therapy, less so for muscular benefits, more so for like dopamine uh, and awareness. And like, I, I feel a little bit of uh, a little bit of benefit muscular wise just because like you're icing and regardless of whether you actually get any benefit, it feels good. <laughs> like when it's, when it's like, like taking Tylenol, it feels good <laughs> to like bring it down, even though sometimes we want a little bit of an inflammatory response, but, um, the little extras, I do my best to do mobility. <laughs> I, I do my best, but like all of us, we struggle. Sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to do it. Uh, I know for me, my calves are my weak point on the body. That's the one thing that if I'm going to get an overuse injury, it's going to be in my calves, usually like tip post area. So I have to do a little bit extra maintenance there. That's like, I, I, I do a little bit of Graston stuff. So some scraping in that area. Sometimes I, I floss, I use like a, a flossing band. Uh, I 
add in because I work at a clinic, I'm able to have access to blood flow restriction therapy. So I, I BFR and I find that that kind of helps regulate some of these things, but those are all the little extra bits that complement everything that complement the base. That's the tip of the pyramid that gets me like my 2%, 5% little extra help where I'm like, all right, this is just icing on the cake as opposed to can I sleep? Can I eat enough? Low hanging fruit wins every single time. Yeah. Those fundamentals are, are so important. And I think, I, I think I, I'm just kind of in love with this whole approach to your training because it's this on the one hand, very strategic and intentional, but on the other hand, it's also very flexible and you don't take any one run too seriously. And, and, and I really think that there's a ton of value in that. And then in addition to that, you know, you're, you're being really kind to yourself with pacing. You probably run, you know, two, three minutes, even more slower per mile than your marathon pace for easy runs. And, and I think a lot of other runners would struggle with that, but that's one of the reasons why you can do this, the, these big mileage weeks. And then of course you're taking a gradual long-term approach to everything. So you're not jumping into things. I mean, you've done that in the past. You got your stressies as you called them and you got the stressies that <laughs> you can't do that. Stressies from my besties. So <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's taken years to get there. <laughs> I, I think I went into this wanting to talk about how you ran 140 miles in a week, but coming out of this conversation, it's more of a best practices approach to getting the most out of your body, whether you're running 140 miles in a week or 50 miles in a week or 40, you know, whether or not, whether you're pushing your body, these are all great principles that are going to help any runner achieve whatever goal they have. So I think this was super valuable, really appreciate your insights. And, um, you know, I want, I want folks to be able to follow online with some of your adventures. So where can, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram. I'm Matthew Luke Meyer at me at Matthew Luke Meyer on Instagram. Um, I'm the exact same on Strava, just Matthew Luke Meyer. If you search, if you search me, I'm the only one on Strava. It makes it pretty easy. Um, I do a little bit. Um, that's like my main thing. If you're ever in the Boulder area and you're looking for guidance as far as your strength training or your running. I work at Revo Physiotherapy. Uh, we work with a lot of really cool endurance athletes and you could be one of those really cool endurance athletes. Um, so reach out to us there. That's those are like the easiest place to follow along. I, um, my, my Instagram is mostly like, I'd say it's 50, 50 between running content and, uh, memes. So quality follow. If I say so myself, <laughs> we try to keep things light and funny. Uh, it's a good time. You'll see me running around Boulder most every single day, twice Mark a day. Tom Watson. Yeah. <laughs> twice a day. Usually you have pretty much twice a day, five days a week. <laughs> the, uh, come to come Watson, come to the old, the Tom Watson tailgate after every run we do tend to, or not every run, but every long run, we tend to sit in Tom Watson for a little bit, crack a few non-alcoholic beers right now. I'm really doing a little bit more of the non-alcoholic beer uh, in training because it's fun. Well, awesome, Matt. Well, thanks again for everything. And uh, there'll be links in the show notes on strength running to all those platforms. So you can follow along with Matt's adventures, his high mileage weeks, and hopefully that 225 marathon this December. Fingers crossed. Thanks, buddy. Thank you.
Thanks for listening in, my friends. If you found value in this episode of the podcast, I would so appreciate a review in Apple Music or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts. For those who want to learn more about Strength Running's coaching options, go to strengthrunning.com slash coaching. And if you love this podcast, please consider supporting us by supporting our sponsors who help make it all possible. Our newest sponsor is Soar Running. You can learn more about them at soarrunning.com and be sure to use code SRUN15 for 15% off your order until the end of October. I have been inseparable from both my one-inch split-leg sore shorts and my sore painter's hat this summer, and for good reason. Their gear is elite level. They have technically groundbreaking wet and cold weather gear that's guided by function-first mentality. The result is just amazing apparel that's comfortable, it's super light, and it's just effective at helping you train really well. They're at the forefront of design innovation with ergonomic designs, cutting-edge fabrics, and continuously updated clothing that just keeps getting better. A good example is their men's racing singlet, which I have and I love. It's the lightest on the market at only 48 grams for a size medium. I've loved everything that I've worn from Soar because it's made for performance and it just fits amazingly. Get equipped for all your running adventures this fall at SoarRunning.com. Get 15% off your order with code SRUN15. That's S-R-U-N-1-5 at SoarRunning.com. But don't wait, this code is only valid through the end of October. I'm also grateful for the support of Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. I personally struggle with eating healthy. What can I say? I just love pizza and fries and everything else like that. I, <laughs> I sort of subscribe to the idea that if the furnace is hot enough, it'll burn anything. It certainly gives you a little bit of extra leeway with your diet and I do take advantage of that a little bit. So because of that, I'm finding AG1 really helpful, especially when I'm training hard and I know that I need to optimize for nutrient-dense foods, even though I don't do it all the time. One scoop of AG1 gives me 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a greens, superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. That makes it really healthy for your gut. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I definitely know I have some, and it gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. And now that I've got all three of my kids back in school, I know I've got to support my immune system because I'm no match for all those elementary school germs. But what I really love about AG1 is that it changes over time. Over the last decade, they've made over 50 improvements to the formula based on the latest research to help make all those nutrients more absorbable so you get more out of it and more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Go to athleticgreens.com Jason to see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for just a single shipment if you want to try it out, or if you know you like it, sign up for a subscription so you can make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jason to sign up today. All right, that's our show today, my friends. Support us by using our sponsor links, reviewing the podcast and Apple Music, 
or getting a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. And I'm always here to help. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running site or messaging me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is Jason Fitz one Until next time. 